Last week what we did was we began looking at a specific halakhic issue which was raised in the Talmud. And it had to do with Tishave Aron. Nine plus opening the ark. Whether that counts as part of a minion or not. Just make sure just make sure the email itself is right. Forget which line it's on. Okay, it's not right. Okay. Because I, I don't remember if this is the last sheet that she's been correcting, so I have too many of them. Okay, that's all. Um, and, and we began looking at the text, and then I, I spent some time last week looking at the Tosafot. Okay, for those who are here or heard on the tape, um, there was a disagreement with Rabbeinu Tam, who was the, historically the grandson of Rashi, to be able to suggest from his point of view <coughs> that it's a minhaj stut, literally a silly custom. How can you count it? Then he said, then there was some who said that what you can do is count with a young person holding a chumash. And the chumash, he said, is not like a regular chumash. We can remember this is the age before printing. Um, and ultimately, therefore, it has to be a, what's known as a gvil, a Torah itself. So the Tosafot took us to a different level of trying to understand what it means to open the ark. Does it mean taking out the Torah? Does it mean holding a chumash? Does it mean nothing? Because how do you count that as part of, of uh, the presence of a, of a person? And the question at one point was, how can you count this as a person? Um, and so we saw that at that particular time there was, first of all, the custom of doing so, otherwise they wouldn't have remarked on it. And two, once they had the custom of doing so, the question then became, is it permissible? Right? And in the permissibility we had a number of different possibilities. As I said, including Open, just opening the ark, including a young person holding a Sefer Torah, and including a young person holding a Chumash, whatever that may have been, because a Chumash, again, don't see it as the Chumash that we have. There were no printed books at that point. So instead, he calls it a Gvil, which means it's a scroll. Okay, which may, may have meant that the, they may have, the books may have been separate or whatever the case may be. That's where we stopped last week. What I want to do this week is take you through, basically, if we have time, a halakhic journey on this particular case. Last week I handed out a sheet which had on it both the Mishnah Brura and the Aruch HaShulchan. Okay, so those, those who have it, please pull it out. I, I, I don't have it yet, I just, I, I know, don't have it. Just, I know, I know. So, I, I, I don't write and think I had, I don't know that I made enough copies and it's not easy to run back to the copying machine right now, as you well know. So, who doesn't have a copy? He knows who Okay. <laughs> so what you'll do at the end is one of you give me back this copy or so because I'll use my books. I want to make it share. Okay. We can share. We can share. Okay. So we can share. Okay. It's the Okay. This, this, for I'm really going to get everybody's attention because I'd like to. We're not going to meet for the next month or five weeks, whatever it is. So if I can finish this thing today, I would like to. Otherwise, I'll meet you in the middle of Yom Kippur someplace. Okay, so what I want to do is take you through some halakhic literature. This stuff is no translated. It's not translated. There is no translation. Some of it's even Rashi script. So some of you I know it's above your level of being able to handle it. I get that. But I want to be able to do it because afterwards I'll give you an English source 
which you'll be able to at least have the background from the point of view of what the text is all about. So, the first thing we're going to look at is the side that says Hilchot Brachot on the top. Okay? And I just want to review the text. The text is that. This is the top page again. It is the text of the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law, Rabbi Joseph Caro, into the 16th century. The Sephardic Minhag, the Rashi script in the middle of the block text on the top, is Rabbi Moshe Iserlis, many a number of years later in Poland, asking, uh, adding the Ashkenazic Minhag. Okay, that's what a page of Shulchan Aruch would look. The Mishnah Brura was done by the Chafetz Chaim, Israel Mayor Kohen Kagan, Kagan. Um, Chafetz Chaim was known specifically for issues related to Lashon Hara, and wrote a very important treatise on Lashon Hara. He's at the end of the 19th and beginning of the 20th century, officially 1839 to 1933. Okay, so it's a fairly modern source. The Shulchan Aruch is eventually divided into four sections. The Mishnah Brura is only on the first of the sections, known as Orachayim, which is the laws of Tefillah, the laws of the holidays, the laws of the life cycle, some life cycle rituals, not all. Okay? So that's what we have here. So what, I want, what we're going to do is in the text, and I'll do the reading, so I want you to look at the Dalid at the top, for those who can follow. Okay, for those who can't follow, don't worry about it. Okay, Yesh Matirin Lomar Davar There are some people who permit allowing Davarim Shebikdusha. What is a Davar Shebikdusha? Things that you need a minion for. Farchu, Torah reading, Kedusha. Okay. With nine and adding a young person. This is all male, okay? Whether we, all male clearly, because the male eventually would be counted as part of the minyan. Older than six. And he knows to whom you pray. Meaning. What we had in our in the Tosva talking about what we call a bardat, a person who understands the context of prayer, even though he won't understand everything. So one, he has to be. He's, it can be a nine plus a minor, but the minor has to be of a certain age, so that he is an individual who understands the concept of prayer and the meaning of prayer. Okay, so already we have a not just a minor but somebody who's already understanding. But it does not, it is not really seen permissible by many of the people who are the codifiers. I mean, there are, you know as he said, yesh matirim, there are people who permit, and he comes to the conclusion, but it is most people don't agree. The Hu Hadin, and that is the law, to Eved Isha Ein Mitzdarfin. Okay, remember we had Eved, Katan, and Isha as a category, a slave, a woman, and a, a Katan, because of the category and status, they cannot lead Dvarim Shepikidusha, because they're not obligated themselves, Ein Mitzdarfin, because they will never be permitted. Unless, of course, as we had, an Evid is free. Okay? So, now we're going to look at the Rashi script. How many of you can, can just uh, so I get it, how many people can read Rashi script? Okay, good. So, Haga. Haga means an addition, or it means a comment. The Afilu al This is now the Ashkenazic Minhad. Even though he's holding a chumash in his hand, you can't include him. Which means, what did people do? There are some people who did it. He believes you can't do it. Yesh mihu, 
Yesh noagim lehakel bishat hatchak. And that's the key sentence. In times of emergency, you can permit it. What is an emergency? Sam, tell me your story from before. This, no, no, because this is what it relates to. Uh, so I grew up in small town of Iowa. It was extremely difficult to get a minion um, because there were, you know, there just weren't that many. Uh, they only counted men at the time, and so we would open the Torah and open the ark. Sorry, and uh, it was made very clear they were counting the Torah, not just counting an ark. Um, and then we, when I got with, when I was within a year of bar mitzvah, they said I could hold a Torah, but but they wouldn't take it. They wouldn't take smaller children. Okay. So, so yeah. So the question is how you define an emergency. Okay. The question is how you define an emergency. Is that an emergency meaning you're in a small town America, Poland there, whatever the case may be? Is it because you know you there is nobody around, it's a time of persecution, war, etc.? Is it because somebody needs to write Zeit Kaddish and there's nothing within 100 miles and if you don't have a minion? Shakatak, to a large extent, is in the eye of the beholder, the, high, the, the level of what we call the psak. Of the posse, the person who is ultimately the individual who is going to make the decision, it is an open thing. Okay, now, what I want to do is look at the Mishnah Brura, who quotes certain kinds of things. And I want to look at the letter that begins Kaf Dalid. Mishnah Brura is on the left hand column on the bottom. This is, a, this is a, of the Kafis Chaim, it's in Rashi script. And ju- two lines before, or three lines before, the real long lines, there's a cuff dullet in the middle of the line. Everybody who can follow it, Fasiya? Okay? Got it, Karen? Got it? Okay, again, I'm going to read it. I-, I know this is, I say, a little more sophisticated, but I just think it's fun for me. And I say, hope we all suffer. What does he define shakakak in time of emergency? Ritsonolomar, he wants to say, even if he's not holding a chumash, it is permissible under shatat And according to those who permit it, shatat would allow him, this youngster, to hold a chumash and to be included as one of the ten, as a minor. The dafka echad veloshnayim. Not what happens if you had eight, Sam. Then there wasn't a minion. This is what it says. Because otherwise, de minimis, what happens if you have four? Oh, we're going to open up. Whole, everybody's going to get six kids and hold a fumash. One, okay, you can make commit. Two, no. Uva Lavush, this is a commentary. Katav shalora noagim letzarfo afilu bishatatchak. And the Lavush says, I never saw it. It never occurred. I didn't, nobody accepted it in my community. This is now the time of the Chafetz Chaim, the end of the 20th century, end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century. We have the custom of permitting a youngster with a Chumash in his hands. Umihu dafka lishmoa barhu vikadish, in order to bring the community together only for barhu and kaddish. Now let's see what kind of kaddish. By the way, this is this is why it's fascinating to me. Shehuchiyu that that's obligatory. Aval kaddish achar aleinu. What is the kaddish achar aleinu? The mourners kaddish. Lo yomru. That they should not say. What? Okay, so that's, it's the opposite of our kind of thinking. Our thinking is why do you want to make sure there's a minion? Somebody can say mourners Kaddish. Their concept, his concept was why do I need a minion to say Barhu and Kaddish? Because that's communal prayer. I can't have a full realm of communal prayer. Now, Bismanenu, in our case, what therefore is he's really saying is against what we do. Our con- concept is, why do people come to Minyan? For Kaddish. And thank God others come as well. 
His concept is, why do people come to Minyan? To daven. To daven, and that's it. And if somebody has to say Kaddish, let them go find a Minyan. It's a wholly different concept of, of the purpose of services and the sense of being part of the community. I mean, it's, really, it's a fascinating piece here in this case. The Harbei Achronim Machmirim Achronim are those people, later authorities become even more stringent. shum katan afilu no minor should be included under any conditions until he is 13 years old. Onen eno mitzareif minyan. What is an onen? Anybody know? Morning. Some between the death, the death and before the burial, he does not count it as a minion, which unfortunately I've had to counsel many of you about. Okay. kol etc. So this is the next part. It adds that I don't takes us out of our uh, particular concept, but it's fascinating to see the the importance of a minion then, as he sees it, and the importance of a minion today. If you ask more people, most people, what what's the importance of a minion? What will they say? More is kaddish. Got to say kaddish. That's why I want a minion. His concept is that's not a chiyuv. That's not obligatory for everybody. It's obligatory to have a minion in order to daven. Would you, would you repeat the what, about between uh, the death? Between, and the between the death, this was part of the vault class. Between the death, right? That was the last century. Years ago. <laughs> between between <laughs> someone's passing away, for the mourners that you're supposed to say Kaddish, and the funeral, you are known as an onane or in the period of aninut. There is no English translation. I translate it as limbo. You are not, you do not put on talent filin. You do not, you're not counted as part of a minion. You're not, you're not counted as part of a minion because you have no obligation to prayer. Your responsibilities are to take care of the funeral and get ready for the Shiva Nessa. Anybody else? Turn the page. This is Aruch HaShulchan, Yechiel Mikol Epstein, on most of the, the Shulchan Aruch. Um, again, just a little bit earlier, 1829 to 1908. And what he does, really was really very nice, is take different issues that the that Shulchan Aruch raises and then comments in general about it. Not line by line, but over a period of a sense of what the commentary is, etc. <coughs> so I want to look at... Um, you Dalit. No, no. Is that the one I wanted? No, Yud. Sorry, Yud. Yud. All right, anybody have Yud? This is this one is easier because it's not Rashi script for the, for those who can at least follow the Hebrew. I, I I get it, you know. But you know, as I said last week, this this is what I I left doing this stuff so if everybody else has a good time good but I had a good time doing it <laughs> you know you're entitled I'm entitled right especially since I'm the teacher I'm entitled katvu rabotenu balea shulchan aruch alright our teachers in the shulchan aruch besif dalid yesh matirim lovar davarsha bikdusha betisha betseru katan yoter mi ben shesh he's just quoting what we had right okay you're allowed to include somebody Provided uh, he's a katan, older than six years old. And he knows to whom you're davening. He's just simply quoting the Shulchan Aruch, but he doesn't, I don't agree with their words uh, by both the poskim. As we, as we had before. Etc. It is a major disagreement, a major controversy. There was some people who wanted to permit to add him to make one of the ten. But even those who allowed it didn't necessarily rush to take advantage of it. 
וגם דעת הרמב״ם, etc. עושה, וזה לשון רבותינו בעלי תוספות, שם מסקנה דמילתא אין עושים קטן סניף לסרה. We read the תוספות, that the תוספות don't agree that you add somebody either to the minion or to the zimun if they're a minor. עד שיביא שתי שערות, remember that? Until they have two pubic hairs, meaning they're already of age, if not chronologically, then at least from a purity point of view. etc. etc. So he, he just brings all of these things together and says basically some agree, some disagree, some say in emergencies yes, others say not even some say the child has to be of a certain age, six and knowing, some say no he has to be already at you know what could be qualified as bar mitzvah, etc. So here you have in this particular text a sense of all of the different possibilities that are out there. So you will have some synagogues that say we have nine, let's open the ark. You will have some who will say, you know, let's make a call to somebody, but if we don't get anybody and we need to, to, to recite the Dvarim Shepi Gidushah, specifically, of course, Mourner's Kaddish. All right, so we at least have that possibility. You said you, were you, you held a safer Torah? Uh, no, a Chumash. I said Torah, but it was a Chumash. A Chumash, okay. But only when I was within a year of our Mitzvah. Okay, all right. I've never, uh, you know what, a youngster holding a safer Torah, pretty dangerous if you're dubbing Allah Shafri, very frankly. <laughs> right? Does that mean, and is he sitting down or standing up? If he's standing up, does that mean everybody else have to stand the whole time? If he's sitting down, if you've opened the ark? Okay, my guess is, in most cases, most people won't take the safer Torah out. They'll just, I've been there where they just open the ark, period. So even opening the, putting in the chamush, which you can see, has legitimate halakhic authority attached to it, was also used. He didn't check my... No, we don't check that. Good to hear, Sam. This is the problem that Jews get into asking too many questions. But again, I think what is what is fascinating is the reason Davar Shepikidushah for the Chafetz Chaim for the Mishnah Brura was Barhu and the and Chatzikadosh. Okay, for our generation, it's clearly. Mourner's Kaddish. Okay, so it, it's fascinating the way as we say, the generations change and what becomes important. So it, it seems that there's also a, maybe this is what you already said, a real um, like decision that praying on your own, praying without the barcode, you know, saying Mari on your own, which might fulfill it here it doesn't it doesn't right the answer is it, 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 it fulfills it but not as well not as well the communal prayer is the desideratum right. not okay. just so that the community is strong but even for you as an individual even for you as an individual you want to make again so our, our claim would be we want you here for a minion so people so there could be a minion you know people say oh you know I'm, this is the Kaddish minion I said there is no such thing as a Kaddish minion there's a minion in which you recite Kaddish like the bar mitzvah service. There is no bar mitzvah service. There is a service of which there is a bar mitzvah. All right? And, and that kind of philosophy is critical. Language is critical. Marcy, you're an educator, right? Language is critical. If you call it the Kaddish minion, minion that's what people will think. Words are important. Right. Okay, words are very important. If you say it's the minion and people come to Dublin, at which you can recite mourner's Kaddish if you have a yurt site or if you're, you're in mourning, it's a different statement than only for Kaddish. So many, you know, some people say, oh, we got to have a minion for Kaddish. No, we got to have a minion for davening. There's a big difference. And if nobody's saying Kaddish, nobody's saying Kaddish. Does that mean you disband the minion? Obviously not. Obviously not. <laughs> so the way you look at it in that realm, I think, is critical. And I, I think from the point of view of a community, a community that can't put a minion together, really, it's very difficult to call it community. Uh, now, again, there are all kinds of extenuating circumstances, etc. But it becomes a critical part of what communal endeavors are and what a Hilaka Dosha, what a sacred community is all about. 
everybody with me so far? You have a number of different alternatives. So what I then found um, was something back into English. So um, um, I then, you know, wanted to look a little further once I had these texts under my control and looked on Google, which is, you know, one of the great sources of lifetimes today. Oopsie. And found an entire shuva as such on nine plus a child. Okay? Nine and a child for in the hour owner. Nine and a nine in the hour run for a minion is actually what I did. That's what I typed in. You're right, you gotta know what you're looking for. That's the key thing. Although right, exactly. Alright? It was written, as you see, by a rabbi Kaganov, Yirmiyahu Kaganov Shlita which means that he's still alive, but I don't know exactly when he wrote this. He was born in Washington, D.C. I did do some research on him. Okay. Raised in New York City. Got his rabbinic... He served in Baltimore. It, a, it was the rabbi of the, de, of the of, of a synagogue in the Beit Din. And in 97, made Aliyah, and at least, according to the text, lives in Neve Yaakov. I don't know if he's still alive. I just don't know how, how up to date that is. But I think it, I think it, the, answer, the answer is he still is. Okay, so he's an American, born in America, educated here in the strict Orthodox world, and moved to Neveyako. Um And so what you have here is really a very fine review of this. And as you read it, you'll see things that are very familiar to you already and some things that have not been mentioned yet. So what I'd like to do is go through with this chuva with you and see where we're going. So everybody, I'm just going to take a paragraph and just keep it going. We'll stop as I stop as the case of you. Sandy, you want to start? <coughs> right from the beginning, question. <coughs> Excuse me. Question one, nine in Humash. A friend of mine once moved to a community where the local daily minyan was not that reliable. On a regular basis, services were conducted by having a 10-year-old hold a chumash as the 10th man. Is there a basis for this? Okay, so Sam, this is the perfect example of your small community, right? Okay, let's turn the page and read the next question. Uh, no, no, the, first, the, the next one. Next, turn the page. That was the second question we didn't do. Start at the top. Yep, start at the top and then... Maury will take over and we'll just keep it flying. Okay? When Abraham prayed for the people of Sodom and his four sister cities, he asked Hashem to save them as 45 righteous people lived among them, which Rashi explains would be the equivalent of a minyan of righteous people per city. Nine plus Hashem counting as the ten. Aha! Okay. Personifying God, anthropomorphism to the end. Let's finish the paragraph. I'll stop each case if there are questions or comments. No, no. Finish the paragraph. Can one consider that there is a minyan present with a quorum of less than ten? Yes. What? Yes, Sam. Well, forty-five. He started with forty-five. He ended up with ten. Oh, I thought so. Okay. Yeah, he started with fifty, and they went to forty-five, etc. Okay, and then he went by tens. Okay, Maureen. The basis of this topic is the uh, uh, Gemara, uh, which discusses whether one may conduct services requiring a minyan or mezuman. Mezuman, remember, is a three people. For Amazon. When, when appears to be short of the required quorum, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi ruled that if one has nine adults and a baby, one can bench, and if one has a, as if one has a minion, Rabbi Huna stated that if one has nine adults present, one can count the Aaron Hakodosh. Right, the Aaron Hakodesh, the Ark. This is what was our text that we studied in Brachot. To form a minion. To this. Uh, Rav Nachum retorted, is it Aram a person? Rav Hanum explained that if he meant that there are situations in which a group of nine people can act as if they are a minion. Rabbi Ami ruled that two great Tamidim Chachamim. Okay, two scholars. But this is our text, right? Very familiar to you from two weeks ago. Who sharpen one another in their halakha discussions can be considered the equivalent of three per Azimun. Uh, Rabbi Yohanan stated that a child who is almost Balmitzvah can be included as a third for his... That's the Shtei Sarot kind of thing, right? Uh, some Rashomim, the early rabbis, quoted a text that concluded that on Shabbos one can make a Zemun with two adults with the day of Shabbos counting as the third person. That's our, te that's our text. That's just simply said our text. Right? Uh, he's just quoting from Brachot, which you all learned with me, those who were here a couple weeks ago. 
Okay? However, the Gemara concludes that we do not permit a Mizuman with less than three adults or a minion with less than ten. The only exception being that we can't count a child for a Zimun if he is old enough to know to whom we are reciting a bracha. Nevertheless, Rabbeinu Tam rules that one may rely on the above-quoted opinion of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi that nine adults and a baby qualify as a minion even for prayer. That's the Tosafot that we studied together. The Ravash feels that one should not follow the lenient approach but rules that those who do rely on it can do so only when the child is less than nine years old. Is at least. You just changed all of Allah's literature, but don't worry. I'm very disruptive. You know <laughs> Others understand that a minor can be counted as the tenth man, but only if he's 12 years old, which Halacha recognizes as an age of majority regarding oaths and vows. We should note that none of these authorities permit counting more than one child to complete. Okay, a it's only the one, not what's okay, everybody with it? He's got a couple of things that we didn't study, and you can already see differences of opinion. Merle? Tosafos reports that some people count a child holding a chumash as a tenth man. He then knows that Rabbeinu Tam criticized this approach, explaining that if Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi's opinion, the child qualifies as a tenth man even if he is not holding a chumash, if we do not follow that opinion, counting a child holding a chumash is without the In other words, what he said, if you want to count the child, count the child. What does it mean holding a chumash? Mm-hmm. What does it mean that Sam all of a sudden was counted? What's the chumash? It represents the Torah, but it's not the Torah. It was a representation of, oh well, we're, he's a kid. If he holds a chumash, the, the kid and a chumash make 13. And therefore, ten, 10 people. So, yeah. Okay, let, me, let me finish the... the let's finish the... I just want, the, 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 you know, the paragraph, and then we'll comment each case. Okay, Bessie? Yeah. Rabbi Natan explained further that even should one locate a statement of Chazal that the child holding a Chumash completes a minyan, the ruling would mean a Chumash was, was commonly used in the days of Chazal, which comprised one of the five Chumashim. Remember, I talked about the what's known as the Gvil, right? He talked about it, the scroll. There wasn't Chumash. This wasn't available then. Meaning that they had separate scrolls for each of the, the Svarim. Because that's, if you wanted to study, what were you going to study from? You're not going to take out the whole Sefer Torah. You're going to take a scroll of Breshit um, or Vayikra or whatever you're studying. However, in the time of Rabbi Natan, although Fumashim were still handwritten, they were no longer written as scrolls, but were bound into books. Thus, there would be no basis to permit counting a child for that type of homage using this era. That's it? Yeah. No, this, I, just, I anticipated something that was coming. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we studied the Tosafot. I'm not sure that he's exact. He said Rabbeinatam agreed. I'm not so sure Rabbeinatam agreed with some of the stuff. But be that as it may, you can see now there were customs that were done. Some of the rabbis were not happy with those customs. Some permitted it. Some was, we'll see, permitted bishat hatchak in emergency situations. So let's now find the source. Should I read a lyric? And then we'll come back around. Okay. Uh, what is the source? What is the source for this custom of counting a child with a chumash for a minyan? Why did Sam get stuck having to be there holding a chumash? I mean, you can see, this is modern Jewish life too. Rabbeinu Tam was unaware of any such source in the halachic literature that he knew. However, since the practice was widespread, the possibility existed that there was a halachic source somewhere. This, this, if Bobby Kwa was here, this is a perfect example of what she talks about. Of, you know, it's halacha whether you like it or not, and this cultural stuff, etc. Somebody did this. Where did it come from? Somebody must have found some sort of source. One rabbi didn't stand there and say, hmm, if we pick Sam Bernstein, who's now 11 years old, and he holds a chumash, ah, that'll do it. There's a possibility. There is a possibility, correct. There is a possibility, but not likely, correct. Bear in mind that in the days of the Rishonim, all halakhic material was handwritten, almost always in parchment, and that it was therefore very expensive and difficult to have access to Sparim. Rabbeinu Tam lived approximately 300 years before the invention of... We always have to keep this in mind when we're reading texts, either ancient or medieval texts. We just take for granted certain things that you can't take it for granted when you have to look at their sociological or historical context. Rabbeinu Tam has such profound respect to this custom of Kal Yisrael that he assumed that there was probably a statement of the Chazal somewhere, one that he had never seen. 
With a sword, a custom. <laughs> okay. I guess somebody got it. Okay, let's think about it. Okay. Well, maybe we'll do it. Now, does that mean that in his time they had a synagogue that didn't? Why would you even raise the issue unless there was a, a time when some people didn't have a minion? Right? Right, because otherwise you wouldn't be talking about it. Right, then you wouldn't be talking about it, clearly. This is what the Gemara refers to as very good. It's easy. It would have been easier for you in the Hebrew, but well done. <laughs> Allow Jews to continue their practice if they're no longer prophets. They're descended from prophets, and their customs are based on solid. This the halacha uses this sometimes. Inim lo nevim meaning that they they they're not a prophetic sense, but they know what to do. They they are Catholic Israel, in the sense of Schechter's concept of the concept of that's what people do must be right because that Jews will only do the right thing. You might, you might have to double check this, but in, in the Gemara Megillah, which I had studied, the question came up is what the origin of the brachot on the Megillah came from. And if I understand this correctly, you're going to have to check it for me, that it came from the, a small town somewhere where people were came up with a bracha on the Megillah some rabbi was walking through this town, heard it, and said, that's a nice thing to do. I think that's something that's within Gawar Megillah, and I have to ask we'll you. Have to, I don't recall it. <coughs> and though everybody here studied it together with, or some people did, I don't recall it offhand. But it's a good story, you know, regardless. But, but things happen, you know? It's the, it's the old story. It's like, you know, my concept, as I always tell my, my classes, when I deal with, with baby naming, there are no laws to deal with baby naming. It's all custom. There are no laws. There's Sephardic customs, Nashmanaza customs, etc. But if I get a question and somebody says, Rabbi, my booby said th that I can't name the child after this one because I said the booby's always right. I don't fight with boobies. I don't fight with boobies. Because no matter what I say, that's the family tradition. That's much more important than even I brought her. I brought her the Shulchan Aruch. Give me a break. You know? So, in if they're not sons of prophets, there's a, there's a special attachment to Jewish life, to doing what is right. So, I, we have to check the source, Mike, but thanks. Okay? I forgot. Where does the rule of Minyan come from? The Minyan rule comes from two places. One, Avraham stops at ten, and two, anybody know? It's mm, a good question then. The spies. The spies. Admatai hazot. Until how long do we have to keep this this evil community or this evil congregation? And how many spies were there? Ten. That's considered to be the two sources. Mm -hmm. Right, but the ten. Moses said, Okay, that those are the considered the two halakhic sources. Okay, Ness, you want to go on? No, no. Okay, Ron. Okay, so in other words, he made it very difficult. So if any of you seen a Navi scroll, that's what it'd be like. Okay, keep going. Because it had to be of a scroll. Now, Rav Moshe Feinstein, for those who know, was of our generation in uh, you know, Lower Side of New York, Lower East Side of New York, one of the great Orthodox poskim, lenient in some things, very uh, stringent in others. This is unbelievable leniency, which means he really felt it was important to have a minion under any kind of condition. And if I can find any leniency whatsoever, I'm going to do it. And the, and the community that would in any community, I don't know where his question came. I don't know the exact question that he had. Yeah, but the, the community that maybe didn't have a minion would also be least likely to be able to afford to repair those swords. You know, the kind maybe of, that kind of makes sense. Maybe in some ways that makes sense. Maybe. Okay. Uh,
Jane. Do we permit a child plus Torah? Most Rishonim rule that one cannot count a child as a tenth man, even when he is holding a homage or a Torah. For example, the Rambam in Hilchot a court rules that a minion for prayer must be a minimum of ten men, although for benching he allows as a tenth man to be a child who is seven years old or more in Hilchot Rambam. This is based on his understanding of the conclusion of the Gemara of The Torah, remember, was the first code in, in the Ashkenazic world by the Rosh. Mentions that some permit the inclusion of one child with non-adults if they place a homage in his hand. The Torah then knows that his father, the Rosh, wrote that one should never count a child as Which means he disagreed with his father, father Okay, so... You have different traditions here. Some, the Rambam is the Sephardic tradition, who didn't permit it under any conditions. The Tur, say some permit, doesn't tell you exactly who, but he was an Ashkenazic ruler. His father didn't permit, but it's out there as such. There was this custom somehow. It's like the line of filler on the roof. This is true and this is true. Right. right. <laughs> Okay, so it's up to the Maragatra, the rabbi who's in that particular place. Okay, now, when you don't have a rabbi, very often it's the ritual director, the shamash, whoever is the one making decisions, or, well, we always did it this way. The yep. Um, when we started, when I started out, we didn't have a rabbi. We got a rabbi, like, my bar mitzvah year, a month before my bar mitzvah, and he basically continued the same tradition. Because it's very difficult to change traditions when you really need a minion and you want to keep a job. <laughs> there you go. He could not anything kept the job because they were so delighted to go get Right, he would have been counted too. Marcy? Some early authorities conclude that a minor cannot be counted as a Oh, this is now, so what now becomes the most important thing? Read Torah reading. No, we're not having mortars Kaddish at all, right? We're talking Torah reading now. The reason for this distinction is that a minor can sometimes be given an aliyah to the Torah. Okay, remember the issue? Okay, I'm dealing it with the other class. What, 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 what is the issue? Katan isha katan olim leminyan shiva. In Megillah, that a minor and a woman can... Go ahead and have a, one of the seven aliyot, but in most cases we don't do it because of Fodat Sibur. And we've studied that in the, in the sisterhood class, right? And because of the honor of the congregation. Some authorities permit giving a child even one of the seven aliyot, and all authorities permit giving a child maftir and having to read the Haftarah. Thus, for this mitzvah, he is indeed considered a man. Yes. What? What? I remember reading my first Tav Torah when I was eight years old. There you go. I remember getting the Aliyah. And you and the Aliyah? Okay. And why were they allowed? You, you know why they allowed you the Aliyah? No. Because they already done the seven. The Mufter is just an addition. They were, I doubt that your dad would have allowed you to have one of the seven. Ah, okay. Did you say the bracha on the Torah? You remember? Oh, you don't remember? Okay. Mm -hmm. Do next That's a, that's also a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. And the Ramaz or Rosh Yisraelis, that's part of the Shulchan Aruch, right? <coughs> In other words, Kriyat Torah does not include it. 
All right, Bob. That's Shatatak. Okay? Okay, Larry? Difference between benching and davening. Some authorities note a curious reversal in positions of the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah. The Shulchan Aruch rejects counting a child as the tenth man for tefillah, but accepts counting him as the tenth of third or third man for benching purposes. This, of course, reflects the position of the Rambam and most Sephardic Rishonim. Okay, meaning if you have a minor sitting with you at the table, you can add them as part of the Mizumah. But prayer already, a little more severe. On the other hand, although the Ramah mentions the practice of counting the child's tenth man under extenuating circumstances, he absolutely rejects counting as the third or the tenth for benching. Hmm. Thus, he accepts the Rosh's ruling not to count a child as the third or tenth for benching and cites the leniency only with regard to... Fascinating. The some say benching is, can be lenient and some say the minion davening can be lenient. Is it strange that the halachic source imply that there is more basis to being lenient regarding benching than there is regarding davening? Okay, so you can see there are all kinds of different customs here. All kinds of different con concepts. And why do you think that is? is Even he's not sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I would say benching, oh, you know, so it's not so. I would think benching isn't as serious as having a minion to start Baruchu and Kaddish. That's a Devarsha Bikidusha. Mazuman is not Devarsha Bikidusha. That's what I would think. Benching would be the lenient one. But that some would permit, make prayer the brilliant one, surprises me, too. Thank you. Surprises me. Rachel? The Marasham. The Marasham explains that the Rima rules that a minor can count as part of the Minyan only if he holds a scroll, which to us would mean that he must hold a Sefer Torah. In Shul, one may take a Sefer Torah out of the Aron HaKodesh and place it in a child's arms in order to have a Minyan. Can you imagine now you have a, a seven, ten year old child holding a Sefer Torah for all of the morning Minyan? What kind of. <laughs> That's heavy. Well, usually only for the period when you need a Minyan. Right. right. Well, yeah, but you're not going to open the ark, put it back, take it out, put it back. I mean, I doubt that you're going to do that. However, one would not be permitted to bring a safe door to the dining room. And for this reason, the Rimar rules that one can never include a child in the count of a minion or mazuman for benching. <laughs> Fascinating. All right, so we'll keep going. Later authorities, which means post-Shulchanaro. Omagi and Abraham whose opinion is highly respected by later authorities, concludes that one may include one minor holding a chumash, sure. but not more than one, to enable the reciting of Orhu, Kedusha, or a Kaddish that is a required part of davening. There we go, a required part, that's what we had before, a required part of davening. However, when relying on a child to complete the minyan, one should not recite any of the Kaddishim at the end of davening, other than the full Kaddish recited by the Chazan, since they are not obligatory. Okay, which means, of course, mourner's Kaddish is not necessary to be recited. This means that when having a minion of nine plus a child holding a sacred Torah, one may not recite Kaddish after Elenu or after the Shir Shalom. Which to us is simply mourner's Kaddish. It's clear it's mourner's Kaddish. You should not recite it. And there's no doubt that the reason that we would do that with nine and our everything is for mourner's Kaddish. No doubt. After quoting this statement of the Magain Abraham, the Mishnah, that's, our, that's the text that we studied before. 
writes that many later authorities rule that one should not count a child as part of a minion, even under the limited circumstances established by the Magana-Abrahant. However, the Graz rules that one should not correct someone who completes a minion under extenuating circumstances by counting a child at least six years old who understands to whom we are davening, even if the child is not holding. So here goes back to your rabbi. When he came, if that was the custom, he could say, here's at least, I don't have to contradict it because it's being done. Meaning, I wouldn't have started it, but if it's done already, I can let it go. Okay, Karen? We should note that although the Magana-Abrahant ruled that even those who are lenient permit the inclusion of only one child, a much earlier authority ruled that one may include even two children. That's a slippery slope, obviously. Provided they are old enough to daven. He explains that since the mitzvah of davening with a community is rabbinic in origin, a child old enough to daven can be included in the count since he is also required to daven as part of his training in the performance of mitzvot. Read the brackets. The obvious question is that this reasoning should permit counting more than two children, yet should mean that Mayim permits only two, and we will leave this question. In other words, why two? One you can get, we can figure out, because you want to make sure it's a mushlam, complete. Two, but why not three, why not four, etc. You know, you handle a little bit, as the case may be. Fran? There you go, we all know about that. What a great title. This is a long list, by the way. In this context, it is highly educational to study two relatively recent cases recorded in the response of literature. In the late 19th century, the Bruce Hunter Rao, who was also known as Mahar Shah, Rao Shohan Mordechai HaKohen Shvardon, the grandfather, etc. was asked the following. The only community in the small community in Hungary had been meeting for the past 25 years on Shabbos and Yom Tov in the home of a wealthy individual. Recently, this individual had been suspended and incorporated certain innovations in the body. That's not, the women should be part of it, believe me. Changing the new style. Changing the tune, see, even back then. In my house, my rules, that the audience recite the entire davening extremely quietly, and that not even amen should be answered aloud. Hey, if you have your own shul, make your own rules. The individual who owns the house where the minion has been davening has now agreed to allow some members of the community to form their own shul. Oh, that's a danger right there, as soon as you do that. Whereby they will be able to daven as they are accustomed. However, the group decided to form their own shul. Serves them right, right? May they... Lechatkila a priori. ...to begin their own shul, knowing that according to most authorities... What a great question. There is nothing new under the sun. Bessie? Bessie, you want to go? After listing many of the authorities who ruled that they are forbidden to conduct services because they do not have a proper minion, the Maharashtra concludes that he is highly wary of the Maharashtra of the original shul, and therefore feels that they should rely on the lenient opinions and form their own... Why is he allowing it? Because he doesn't like the guy making the rules. Talk about politics. Never mind halakha, it's all politics. He further concludes that they could rely on the opinion that, if necessary, upon occasion, they might have to complete the minion, thus ruling according to the above-quoted confess and against the Mogena Vraham. The Maharashtra is the only late authority of whom I'm aware who permits eight men plus two children... In order to get back at the ball of bias, you can do anything. Wow. Unbelievable politics, Mike. 
another response where Moshe Feinstein was asked a similar question in which an established school's membership had dwindled to the point where there were only nine adults at its daily minion. If the school cannot count a child at the daily minion, it will be forced to... Is it Shadad Chak or not? There you go. This is Moshe Feinstein. Moshe discusses whether they may continue their minion, notwithstanding the fact that there is another school in the neighborhood, although it is a bit distant. Moshe notes that although a majority of postmen contend that one should not allow the recital of Kaddish, Kedusha, etc., when there are less than ten adult men present, maintaining the existence of this school is considered... Wow. Okay. Since the prohibition of reciting a Davar Shebe Kedusha without a minion is only rabbinic, this extenuating circumstance will allow one to follow the minority opinion against the majority. Okay. So here you have, in ADOD, why do we keep the minority opinion even though it's the majority opinion? Because we may one day want to go back to the minority opinion. Some of you studied in the Hartman group that text only last week with me. He concludes that since the members of this school may not make the trek to the other school and will also stop attending the Shibuim provided in their current school... Wow. This is a sociological answer. There's a possible... There is an opinion out there. This is Moshe Feinstein, remember. In order to keep the shul open, I'm going to be lenient. Now, it's not... It doesn't mean I'll create a conservative shul. Don't... Let's not go that far. Fran? While Moshe then raises a few practical questions, the Magain Abraham, upon whom Rob Moshe is relying, permits counting a child to the first man only if he is holding a sacred hope. However, this creates two interesting halakhic questions. One is not permitted to hold something while reciting Shema, and the Shemoni Esrei, so how can a child hold a sacred hope? That's a good question. All right. What, what do you have to do with the Shema? You're holding your tzitzis or whatever you're doing. And your sitter. And besides your sitter, you can put the sitter down. It's on top. Not if, only if there's a shot. Oh, right, I get it. Now, yeah. well, one would assume that many of those people know by heart. Yeah. What? Give it to the second child that you say the Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. We'll make you the post sacred. Well, the sacred Torah is being held by someone who is standing everywhere. That's what I said before. Which means that the entire membership of this shul will be required to stand. It's Neela all the time. <laughs> it appears that Rav Moshe understands that one may count the child for a minion only when he is standing. I am unaware of the source of this ruling. Therefore, Rav Moshe suggests that the Sefer Torah be placed on a table and that the child stand next to the Sefer Torah with his hands holding the Atzei Chaim, the handles of the Sefer Torah, which Rav Moshe considers equivalent this is to unbelievable leniencies, as you can see. Unbelievable leniencies. Joel? Rav Moshe writes that it's preferable to have a 12-year-old child hold the Sefer Torah, citing the authorities recorded above who permit a 12-year-old to be the tenth man of a minion. Rob Moshe recommends that the shul relying on these heterim heterim have leniencies a representative but not have a repetition of Shemun like we do in the mornings. <laughs> no, you can do the Hecha Kedusha. Yeah. That's what it means. Fine, fine. Okay. This is because the sign Hazaras Hashats without a minion represents present involves a bracha of Levatala, bracha in vain. A bracha in vain, which according to some authorities is prohibited minat Torah. Rav Moshe rules that the Chazan should not recite the quiet the Shimon Esrei, but instead should wait until everyone has finished the Shimon Esrei, and then he should recite his own Shimon Esrei aloud. Holy different, all kinds of crazy customs. All right, Larry. Thank you. 
Moses Pusak and consider the applicable Kizir situation, then a child should hold the Eitz Chaim of the Sefer Torah that is placed on the table. Only the Kedushim required, according to the Halakha. Not mourner's Kaddish. Mm-hmm. Not mourner's Kaddish. No mourner's Kaddish or Kedash. The Rabbanon. The Chazan should preferably not recite his own Shemona Ezra. Mary Ellen, you want to finish that up? Oh, you'll need to help me with this one. You'll do it fine. No. The Gemara teaches that Ein HaKodesh Baruch Hu Hu Moes Bitrilatan Shel Rabin Never despises the prayers of the community. Certainly, this should inspire all of us to doubt it. Sibor is the community. Whenever we can. I thought that was a fascinating Shuva review of it. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein's unbelievable leniencies, sociologically phenomenal. Comment. We were reading a book. It, it, it's a, a book of short stories written by Russian Jewish writers. And one of the stories in it is called The Minion. And the question is in an older people's housing development that has a list of people wanting to move in, should they take the one who will come? There you go. Wow. All right. I, I, I hope this has been interesting. For those of you who don't have a calendar, please see me afterwards. Shana Tova to everybody. We'll see you in. No, we'll see you many times beforehand. The class will be again starting in, in November. Yes, you go. Yes, you go. Fascinating.